Unto Celebrimbor was Gorthaur's deception unveiled, and then it was that he understood who posed as the emissary, and who had deceived Eregion. For year unto year he had abetted the abhorred Sauron, and worked amidst him and with him, and the ringcraft imbued into his enterprise was devised by him. The seven and the nine were to be the culmination of their lesser works, and futile attempts, and a beacon of strength, but the malice of Gorthaur tainted them to the control of the one forged in secret, and while the three were to be their savior, the very draft the sixteen were abided by darkened their radiance. To what extent had the one ring riven Eriador, and what dark designs were unfolded in its creation? Celebrimbor pondered the victory of the malice of Sauron, and the declaration Gorthaur unveiled before him and unto the one ring. Was the proclaimed binding between the twenty rings already fulfilled, or a portent? And should the many rings be raised in retaliation, or was it too late? Celebrimbor acted in the depths of his forge as both the torturer and the tortured, with his haunting thoughts in place of a scourge. And had no intervention come, in place of torture would have been persecution, and Celebrimbor's fea would have been ever confined to the damning dark whispers rampantly consuming his competence. But so in the midst of this mirage of despondency and dejection came the colorless froas of the once unyielding and strong Myrdain, for they too had succumbed to their thoughts and whisperings. And upon each faded hand lay, removed in humble repentance, a delicate ring, and so in that hour all sixteen were surrendered, and the Gwaith e Myrdain broken from the sleuthing spell of Anatar, and they flanked Celebrimbor in the depths of the forge of Eregion, and amidst them was silence. I hear the betrayal in your heartbeat, one that flows against the values you espouse. The Myrdain heard a familiar voice, yet its inflection was neither friendly nor selfless. Instead, it bore a command that only the gods in Valinor could deliver. I sense the restlessness in your pace, the uncertainty in your veins, the resignation in the facade that is your demeanor. The desire for order was natural amongst the Myrdain, and the allure in the voice was compelling. It is through me that you have gained mastery over the metals that circle your fingers, and it is through my will that your wisdom manifests into wonders. Surrender your sovereignty to me, and I will grant you greatness unrestrained. The many minds subjected to the one voice wrestled with the choice laid within them. They were to give what they had wrought, or they were to wield the wrath of he who had guided them into making. As long as they adorned the rings, the Myrdain were naked to the whispers of Sauron, and their very blood felt the disturbances he inspired within their intentions, a Morgothian machination from which they had no escape. The one called to them from the east, urging them further from the west, and it sought the lands to the south and the north with equal potency. Defy my design, and I will decide the details of your undecorated deaths, Gorthaur continued to their dismay. Wherever you are, so am I, and if you hide, I will find you. The rings are mine alone and you will do well to remember. Many words Sauron whispered in their ears, and for many nights the Myrdain wept, 
and for many waking hours did the Myrdine wail, walking in circles aghast in anguish, tired of the relentless remarks that Corsauer battered them with. And more than the threats of retribution, it was the reminders of their time spent with Anatar that held them as prisoners in their own minds. The Myrdine failed to reconcile their feelings with the realization of what they had become accomplices to. It brought upon them a sorrow unfelt since the fall of Lorelin and Telperion. Sauron shackled them with shame and tightened his grip with guilt, and the Myrdine mourned the loss of the love they had borne for the one they had come to call Anatar. The Lord of Gifts they had praised him to be, but the Lord of the Rings he preferred to be known instead, and with the One he was bent to rule them all, and it took everything in their failure to refuse his call. The Silmarils, spoke Galadriel, walking abreast the elvensmith against the gentle flow of Celebrant, were imbued with the fairy light of Lorelin and Talpyrion, and when the great Bauglid and Virilome warred upon the trees, the Silmarils were the only vestiges of that luminous radiance. The Valar called upon Feanor to bequeath them those cursed jewels, yet he failed to find the strength and in doing so, ensuing all which has come to pass. Now it falls into our hands to do what Feanor could not, continued the elven maiden, and put to end that which the Myrdain have wrought. But can we, I wonder? The rings have only been perverted by Sauron, observed Celebrimbor, and are indeed bound to his will, as long as he so bears the one. However, the rings still hold within a great strength, and may one day be wielded untempered, but whether we abide by that hope or not, for the present they mustn't be used. Vilya, Narya, and Nenya alike are not free from this truth. I do not wish to see the sum of centuries of labor laid waste. Yet all, and even the three, were composed to the design of Gorthaur. Thus, can we trust in the hope we desire most? I know not. Galadriel paused and stood unmoving. But I believe were we to destroy the very rings bound to Sauron, his deceivery would only perpetuate. And now or not, there would come a time where he would assail Eriador, whether the rings sourced it or some other scheme. So we hide the rings, asserted Celebrimbor, and not flee from the fate we face. We bolster the defenses of Eregion and of Eriador, and put an end to the wretched wrath so many believed was banished ere the turning of the age. I shall wear a sword instead of a smithing hammer. And I will fight alongside you, assured Galadriel. And we shan't relent 
until all has been exhausted and Lorin Land has played her part. And so in Eregion I shall remain, for now. Your husband awaits you. Kilibrimbor returned to a stern pace westwards. He has done his part in Eregion, and admires that which you have realized in Lothlorien. But more so he yearns for your comfort. Galadriel smiled in defiance of the fear that was emplaced within her heart, and walked briskly. And regarding Celebrian, queried Celebrimbor. She will remain in Lothlorien with Amroth, imparted Galadriel. And we shall reconvene, should there be a far side to this brewing conflict. There will be a far side, mustered Celebrimbor. The Westlands shan't succumb. The east road grows quiet. Elrond frowned, looking out from the great harbor of Mithlond and to the western sea. Our tradesmen fare not, and the Kasari remain kept within their holes in Khazadum. For instilled in the heart of the Noldor and the Kasari is this premonition, Gilgalad answered, adorned in a silver mantle which glistened in the light of the falling sun. Even Lun and the sea beyond grow ever restless, while Manwe alone understands that which is imminent. Ulmo, too, knows something is amiss. Then is there hope of another intervention from the west? Yes, but not from whom you speak, for the Valar are not the only ones who dwell past the sea. Alas, our flourishing trade with the Edain, Breland, and the Kasari of Khazadum must now cease, for the vanguards and scouts of Sauron are rampant, and corsairs are ever abroad. The elegant figure of the High King came to a pace along the harbor, adjoining the restless tide. He continued, The exertion upon the harbor is nearly absolute, and its long reach will have been lengthened. A small host of Numenor is en route, and will aid in the defense of Linden. And the fortifications are afoot, both in Eregion and Linden. Though when the host of Sauron is at last uncloaked, and at large these trifle defenses will do little to assuage the wrath of Gorthaur. Indeed, acknowledged the High King. Even now Celebrimbor cannot withstand the might of Sauron alone. Elrond, I must impart upon you now what I seek utmost, for you have held your heraldry many long years, and seen Linden through hardships unnumbered. And now you must see it through the greatest tribulation yet. It is ever apparent to myself that I would trust no other more with this endeavor that is now of great urgency. So I task you this, Elrond Peridot, son of Yerendil the Blessed, to aid our friends east and command a great force to their levyment. Then I must go at once, Elrond declared. Long have I admired the deeds of my father, 
and my brother, who both understood the very nature of this discord far greater than myself. I shall not rest until our arrival in Eregion, though even still we may yet be too late to thwart this assailment. Commandeer the might of Mithlond, Harlond, and Forlond. Make haste and do not be waylaid, Gilgalad ushered. May Eru's grace come unto you, Elrond Namari. After Elrond's departure, the High King came to the shipyard, and to Círdan he spoke. Years ago I bequeathed an envelope to a Lord Aldarion of Numenor, and within it entailed the portents of the reality we now live. And I understand that Numenor has grown in might and strength tenfold since that year long ago, and it is now that they must act upon the presage. I ask of you, Círdan Shipwright, to return to the blessed star island of Numenor, and call upon them to unveil all that they can muster. So it was that Círdan departed, lowering the grand sail of the swan ship, and coming into the western sea. Gilgalad remained, watching from the harbor with a look tempered by fear and uncertainty. As the slender form of the swan ship faded into the horizon, a new vessel appeared. Upon its arrival, Gilgalad beheld a vision of an elven lord, with hair of shining gold and a fair, youthful face full of mirth and fearlessness. His eyes were bright and clean, and his voice like music. Wisdom sat upon his brow, and strength was in his hand. Your eyes deceive you not, Arrhenian, the elven lord came upon the harbor. For from the depths of my failing carn to the shores of Amman my fear was guided, and to the east I return in this dark hour. Glorfindel? Gilgalad beheld his familiar visage aghast. I am without word or wisdom, for before me stands he who fell with Gondolin on Dolinde, whose sacrifice ensured Tur and Idril's escape. I did what was most prudent, Glorfindel answered. There are many who would have done such a deed, and many who have done greater, but Gondolin is now buried in the annals of time. Eriador's fate, however, remains to be wrought. Its writing is imminent, the High King spoke wistfully, and the favor of time we are provided not. Even now the might of Linden marches fruitlessly west. Our vigor is spread too thin. That may be so, affirmed Glorfindel. But the hour is not yet too late to return to the repose of Amman, where the Noldor now lie in tranquility. Such remains your choice, for in the west there is war, and to the east there is peril, yet both are rooted in the same evil. If the choice is mine, then I say nay, Gilgalad declared, mustering a certain hope and courage within his words. For even as day unto day the Eruhin and the Kasari fall unto the favor of Sauron, hope perseveres above all, for mortals and immortals alike have withstood greater. And I will abide by that, answered Glorfindel. He turned and gazed upon the havens of Mithlond, beholding the grand stone spires and edifices carved and placed upon the hills of Linden. The majesty of this land is not held solely within its grandeur, but woven within the deeds of all who have upheld it. I am honored to defend Linden alongside you, Arrhenian, and ensure its splendor is not spent. Hope is greater with Glorfindel, lord of the house of the Golden Flower, at the helm of Mithlon's defense, affirmed the High King. More than you know, for in place within my Faya is a strength imbued by the Valar, and upon its need it shall show itself. However, it is not only the West that has been bolstered, Glorfindel disclosed. For two of the Maiar accompanied me en route to Numenor, leaving Valinor behind them. A feat precious few have undertaken since the War of Wrath. Maiar? Gilgalad trilled in amazement. 
Indeed. Marinetar and Romestamo, they are called. Alatar and Palando. Their sights are not guided to Eriador, however, for they sail unto the east, beyond Eredisui. They seek only to uproot the shadow Sauron Gorthaur has in place there, and uncover the roots instilled long ago by Morgoth. A dark and treacherous road lies ahead of their path, for the east is even more troubled than you know. We have witnessed its shadowing firsthand, grieved the High King. Foul creatures walk amongst the once green province of Kalinardon. Orcs and giants are rampant and move like parasites amongst the rolling hills, and the arid Nimrise. Many remnants of our watch over those lands have been abandoned, but murmurs of a great host, with Sauron Gorthaur at the helm, have spread. The turning of the tide has come, as a great friend of mine once imparted, Glorfindel recalled. Do not lose hope. For the dawn shall rise anew. But when the light of hope fades, the assailing war is lost.